Hello and welcome back to Classic Vinyl Podcast. I'm your host Justin. I'm here with my co-host Tyler. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, once again, our second episode here Mm -hmm. where we're actually going to review The Who. Mm -hmm. Who's next, to be exact. Yeah, this this is a good album. (laughs) Well, and I'll have to be straightforward. Um, I'm picking albums that... uh, I really enjoy mm-hmm. so far. Um, I think everybody enjoys this album. Well, I hope so. But if not, you're a communist, and well, uh, something like that. Well, go go back to uh, to commun commun area. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, get out of here. It's a good album. Yeah, it's a great album. Let me give you a little background on The Who, if you don't know. Um, Roger Daltrey actually formed the band in 1959, and it was called The Detours. Oh. Um, But uh, the actual Who formed in 1964, uh, essentially when they changed their name from The Detours to The Who. Um, You know, all of them had... uh, Let's go into who was in the Who first. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Roger Daltrey, the lead singer, and who formed yeah. the band to begin with. He was Tommy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's later on, but yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> De- that deaf, dumb, blind kid. Exactly. It sure plays a mean pinball. Pete Townsend, the guitarist. Mm-hmm. John Entwistle, the bass player, and the late great yeah. Keith Moon mm-hmm. is the drummer. And I should say the late great John Entwistle as well because he's no longer with us. But oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, Daltrey Townsend and Entwistle I, actually all went to school together. Oh, really? Yeah, in uh, London. They huh. met Moon uh, later on in 1964 when he joined the band, and they essentially became The Who. Yeah. Um, the Who, they've sold 100 million records worldwide, okay. which really isn't as strong as I feel it should be. They're kind of an underrated band, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. I think people that are huge Hooligans, as they call them, Mm -hmm. will also agree. I mean, the commercial success with The Who wasn't as strong as it probably should have been. In fact, I think nowadays they probably have more radio play than they used to. You know, they they really didn't have, you know, they didn't have a string of number one hit singles. And, you know, in my opinion, they are a much stronger band album and and more importantly... A very very strong live band in fact considered one of the greatest live rock and roll bands of all time so do you think that their popularity because i i would say that they're extremely popular today people know their their songs even if they don't know that the who sings these songs or that the who who created these songs they know these songs. Well, I mean, it's you, because let's yeah. talk about CSI, right? Well, yeah, you there's know, a all, prime example. Yeah, all all three all three CSIs. What was it? The Vegas, Miami, yeah. and was there a New York one? I, I think believe. so. Yeah, they all had Who songs as their you know theme songs, mm-hmm. and you've I've I've heard a lot of Who songs on uh, commercials and things like that. And, yeah, and you know, obviously, like won't get fooled again. Behind blue eyes, mm-hmm. pinball wizard. Those songs are still seeing just as much radio play or more than they did in their heyday. Well, they're they're relatable songs, but they're great music. Yeah, this is so. I'm I'm guessing that maybe the Who was a band ahead of their time, and so it took the rest of pop culture uh, longer to warm up to them or or long longer for pop culture to understand how good their music was yeah and you know it it really ranged you know they i mean when they started in 64 from releasing their first album um people people really know them from i mean they were really introduced to the u.s during the monterey pop festival Mm -hmm. they played woodstock and they played the great isle of white festival which all were very strong festivals and you know the who being such a great live band some very messy festivals well that too yeah (laughs) Which which sources uh, one of the songs, but we'll get to that. Well, exactly, and they're also known for the rock opera, right? Yeah. Uh, most mm-hmm. most importantly, or first, I should say, Tommy, which mm-hmm. is an amazing rock opera. Yeah. Um, my favorite rock opera, Quadrophenia, mm-hmm. and who's next? The album we're going to be reviewing tonight essentially was a rock opera in its beginnings. Oh. So, uh, and, I can see that. Yeah, and and we'll get into that, but. Um, you know, once Keith Moon joined the group in 64, they really took off. Um, they picked uh, Kit Lambert and Chris Stamp, a couple of filmmakers, actually, to be their um, 
managers. Um, the first single they released was I Can't Explain. Um, it reached number 93 in the U.S. and number 8 in the U.K. And their second single was My Generation, which reached a little bit better in the U.S. at 74 and reached mm-hmm. number 2 in the U.K. Um, funny enough, My Generation is reaching number 2, their top single ever in the U.K. They never hit a number 1 in the, in the U.K. That's um, terrible. It that, is. Uh, because I... I all of, well, I don't know about all of these, but a good three or four songs on this album have number ones written all over it. Yeah, and not only that, they're still seeing heavy, heavy radio play. It shows yeah. what time does to things, you know. Certain bands that were mm-hmm. really popular back in the day, I don't think time lend. I don't think time treats them as well as certain bands, and some some yeah. come out looking better after forty, fifty years. Do you think it's uh, that they're? Um, Later popularity is uh, a result of how excellent driving music these songs are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think it's part of it. I I think a lot of your, you know, you get a lot of people that that were in punk music that say this was a huge influence to them. You get a lot of people in heavy metal music and Mm -hmm. hard rock music that said, it was a heavy influence, yeah. and even their earlier... There's some heavy songs in here. Yeah, Who's Next is definitely heavier than what their earlier stuff is. It was a little mm-hmm. more poppy and chart-likable, yeah. I guess I should say. that. But, you know, a quick one while he's away was their first little mini-opera song. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually played that at uh, the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus, but that wasn't released until the mid-'90s. But um, The Who famously is known for smashing guitars and breaking their drums and causing, you know, big issues as far mm-hmm. as that's concerned. But, <laughs> you know, I, Pete Townsend famously has uh, repaired many of a guitar just to take it back out and smash it again. Oh. So, and, and Keith Moon smashing his drums, and he's also well-known for smashing up hotel rooms. Well, these guys are performers. Uh, they, they get theatrics. Well, and I'm going to be straightforward. This is, without a doubt, my favorite... I've said it, but my favorite live band. There's no doubt about it. I I love listening to like live at Leeds, live at Hole, live at the Isle of Wight. I mm-hmm. love listening to the Who live. I mean, even some of the, you know, Tommy's a perfect example. I like the album, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't hit me perfectly for it. But when you hear it live, like they have it live at uh, the Isle of Wight and live at Hole, it is amazing to hear it live it just hits so much heavier in the instrumentation in it and you know and they're a very unique group because first of all you know your drummer usually keeps rhythm which keith moon does none of that because he's Mm -hmm. smashing everything right yeah he is all over the place and and it's really interesting because generally you have a lead guitar type of place but in all reality john entwistle with his bass plays lead bass Mm -hmm. and and if you really take some time to sit down and listen to them, especially on headphones like we did mm-hmm. before this episode, even songs you've heard for years and years like I have and like you have as well yeah. on this, in this case, they hit a little different because if you're really seriously listening to the drums or the bass lines or even the guitars, you know, mm-hmm. and synthesizers and things, it, it's, it's amazing. It's like I'm hearing them for the first time every time I listen to them. This band plays the crap out of their instruments. They everything from the drums to the lead singer. Well, and these guys they play hard. You know, I really think Keith Moon is probably one of the best drummers of all time. Now, Pete mm-hmm. Townsend is famously said he didn't really enjoy playing with him because he couldn't you know, the drummer's supposed to keep pace. Yeah. And Keith Moon was all over the place, so it was really tough <laughs> to keep up with him. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, Entwistle is one of the most innovative, best bass mm-hmm. players ever. Uh, I think Pete Townsend is an amazing guitar player. Um, not the best in the world that we've ever seen, but mm-hmm. very, very underrated as well, far as that's concerned. He's certainly competent. I, You know, there's... What he doesn't necessarily stand out, but he sounds really good playing along with the rest of the band. Well, and he does stand out much more in the live. I'm sure he live. Does, he, yeah. He's kind of a messy player, but in a in a in a perfect way for the yeah. who. And you know, to to top it all off with Roger Daltrey, in my opinion, the mm-hmm. best rock and roll singer ever. Sure, ever. 
I'm okay I, with that. I don't care what anybody thinks. I mean, I love Led Zeppelin, but Roger mm-hmm. Daltrey kills Robert Plant. He is twice mm-hmm. the singer. Yeah. Um, and even now, you know, I've seen The Who twice in their mm-hmm. reunion formation, you know, obviously without Entwistle and Moon. And because I wasn't old enough to see them in their prime, but... yeah. They still, and even Daltrey's voice is still very, very strong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going through some of the things, they released Tommy, the rock opera, in May of 69. Um, Quadrophenia, the second rock opera, was in 73. Um, obviously, they have a famous film with Anne Margaret in it and Roger Daltrey paint, playing Tommy, which mm-hmm. was released in 75, which possibly we'll review that at some point. Yeah. Uh, who Are You was released in 78, which was the last album that Keith Moon actually recorded before his death. Mm-hmm. And Keith Moon actually died on August 7th, 1978, um, after he attended a, a party at Paul McCartney's house, funny enough, huh. uh, celebrating Buddy Holly's birthday. Oh. He died the next morning. So, uh, well, they, that's a shame. Yeah, he was, that was tough, you know. And, yeah. Pete uh, replaced him with Kenny Jones, mm-hmm. who drummed with him for quite a while. Um, you know, they've had many reunions over the years, um, which I'm happy for. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's funny seeing these almost 80-year-old yeah. men out there playing, but they still do an excellent job. Sure. So, um, Roger uh, formed the band, got everybody together first, right? Yes. But you said that Pete... Uh, hired on a new drummer? That was after Keith Moon died in 78. Yeah. So did Pete kind of become more of like the the front man? Or? Well, I think as time went by, obviously Pete, as you can see by Who's Next, yeah, Pete was the premier idea behind everything and the songwriter yeah. behind everything and the, the actual <laughs> creative force, right? And I, I think maybe not taking the lead man role, but when you are the probably 90 five to 98 percent of the creative force behind the band you do take on somewhat of a leadership role right sure yeah and of course you know him and daltrey there there's a lot of famous stories about fights within the band right there's been many of those (laughs) and you know also john entwistle passed away at the hard rock hotel and casino in las vegas in 2002 which you know that was a shame because he was an amazing bass player and you know that kind of did it, but I think once if a Keith, bass player can be amazing, and whistles amazing. He, he, if you really sit down and listen to his bass, um, and I'm, you know, I play guitar, mm-hmm. but I, I do respect Ant Whistle, and I know many bass players do that know any of their shit, right? Yeah, because which I don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you do have two bass guitars. I do have two bass guitars. Uh, don't put. I, I can't play either. <laughs> well, Ant Whistle is an amazing player. He's an amazing musician, to be honest yeah. with you. So, um, yeah, that's just a little bit about the Who. I mean, we could get into a lot of detailed things, but that's not what we're here for, right? We, when we, when we review these albums, we review the music, give a little bit of history mm-hmm. behind it, um, and just kind of go into what what it's about and how it makes us feel and what we think about the songs. You know, we yeah. don't. There's other podcasts out there that dive deep into you know mm-hmm. this was recorded at 3 30 a.m on you know these specific instruments and we won't go that detailed but no because i don't know that much information well, about it and that's true yeah so going on to who's next so we just got done listening to this album i've listened to it for years and years one of my favorite albums um it was the who's fifth studio album um released august 14th of 1971 Neither of us were around yet. No, um, I think my oldest sister was uh, born at that time, but that would be my only sibling that was born around that time. So the funny thing about this is this was supposed to be kind of another rock opera, or maybe not a rock opera, but a a project put together where all the songs were... Mm You know, told on, the story. Told the story, and it was originally called Lifehouse was the project. Okay. Um, many of the songs got scrapped on it, um, but eight of the nine songs on the album <laughs> are from the Lifehouse project. The only one that isn't is My Wife, which was written by John Ant- Entwistle. Yeah. So, you know, Lifehouse was about a Townsend 
written it about a near future society in which music was banned and most of the population lived indoors and they were all government controlled and there was a he had this thing of how there was a communication via electronically almost like a premonition to the internet or something that explains a lot of the synthesizer throughout it yeah Yeah, but it the project just didn't really work out that way and it was kind of scrapped but yeah you know most of the i shouldn't say most of the songs but Eight of the nine songs on the album were from that. I'd still like to see that uh, completed. I, I, well, I wonder how well it would it, hold it together. Has, it has been completed. In, okay. I wouldn't say completed, but the other songs have been released from okay. it. So, and we'll probably review that at one point in time, you know. Sure. Um, Glenn Johns was the recording engineer, and he's famously had uh, done recording for the Beatles, Zeppelin Stones, the Eagles, Bob Dylan, and on and on and on, wow. right? I mean, very, very big popular. Names, yeah. In fact, he played a big role in the latest uh, series that just came out on Disney Plus uh, about the Beatles, the Get Back documentary. Oh, Glenn yeah. Johns was featured heavily in that. So, okay. yeah, and it was recorded at Olympic Studios in London. Um, with the exception of one song, the, the Won't Get Fooled Again, which was re- recorded on the Rolling Stones mobile studio, or mobile, as mm-hmm. uh, Pete would put it. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was recorded on 8-track. The rest of the album is recorded 16-track. Okay. So one thing that's interesting about it, and I, I didn't show you the cover, but I know you've seen it before, mm-hmm. it shows all the guys turning around from a, yeah. s- a slab They're of all concrete. Taking a leak, right? Yeah, they had just taken a leak on a big slag heap, right? Mm-hmm. And and apparently that was some kind of reference to 2001 a Space Odyssey and the mm-hmm. monolith in that movie, so. Yeah. But I I always enjoyed that as a kid because this is an album my dad used to make me sit down and listen to with him mm-hmm. late late in the night when he'd been drinking many a beer. That's cuz he raised you, right? And, exactly. And I always got a kick out of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I'm like, God, they just pissed on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple other details about the album. It was ranked, ranked number 28 on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. Uh, that was on their list that came out in 2003. It's mm-hmm. moved back and forth in different places since then because they released it all the time. Um, over 4 million sales worldwide on this mm-hmm. album, which is pretty strong. Yeah. Um, you know compared to Tommy is their best-selling album of all time with 20 million but it, it has a little bit different notoriety in a different way I don't think this my opinion the this the story is good obviously on Tommy yeah. but the music isn't as strong mm-hmm. this album reached number four in the US and yeah. number one in the UK it was the only number one album that the who ever had in the UK yeah, it, it definitely deserves a number one. This one's a chart topper. Well, and you've got a lot of albums like this that you listen to. and You know, I'll, I'll do a little research and read the history on them and find out that it only reached number 20 or something. And I'm thinking, there's no way. You yeah. know, because it, I just think it's held up so well over the years. And mm-hmm. it, it's been, it was so innovative at the time, you know. Um, I haven't listened to it on headphones for a long time until tonight. Yeah. And it it just it gets me every time. I love the album. There's there's very yeah. few weak songs on this album. These guys, uh, specifically Pete Townsend, who does most of the writing on this, yeah, he gets um, humans, humanity. He he gets uh, people. He gets uh, especially teenage uh, angst and feelings and drama. Well, and. You know, you read a lot of the history into it and some of these things, and we'll kind of go over a little bit of it, is some of the songs, his inspirations were different than what you would gather the inspiration is from hearing the song, right? Yeah. But but you're right, because it does bring out the teen angst and mm-hmm. the, you know, just, I'm a young man making it in the world today or trying yeah. to make it in the world mm-hmm. and fighting the system and stuff yeah. like that. But, but a lot of the songs were more personal about Pete, but isn't that what... I mean, to me, that's what great music's about. Exactly. You know, if you can make everyone really stop and think and feel what this means to me. Yeah. And they relate to you. Yes, whether whether sure. that's what you meant them to do or not, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just amazing songs. Um, the album was inducted to the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2007. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, my dad introduced me to this album when I was way young. And... Um, 
especially like behind blue eyes and won't get fooled again. He he'd make here sit there and listen to this. Listen this the this is an awesome song. This is yeah. an amazing song. And I remember when I was young at the time thinking, oh, I don't really want to be up this late doing this, but <laughs> uh, without a doubt, I, I thank him for that because yeah. I, I hold this album, you know, it's kind of a silly album for me to review simply because this is one of my top five or six albums of all time, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Yeah. Which is why I chose to review it, but I wanted to get your perspective on it as well, so... You know, right off the bat, uh, I'm probably going to jump to the uh, conclusion that this is one of my top five albums of all time. Wow. Yeah. Um, Now that I've heard the whole thing. Well, I'll tell you one thing I like about it is, you know, you had the previous um, four albums from The Who. They were definitely lighter this is their first yeah. true rock and roll album but what's really interesting about it is the mix of synthesizer in here and mm-hmm. and piano and things like that that really make an interesting album but and like i said these guys play the shit out of every instrument in there best best band ever yeah i'm not you know obviously i'm a huge beatles fan mm-hmm. i'm a huge doors fan i would say i do enjoy the beatles but the Beatles don't play their guts out the way that these guys do. No, these guys, everything is such a yeah. crazy mix, you know. There's the, a reason that they destroy all their instruments <laughs> and don't want them to make music ever again. Well, Pete, <laughs> Pete is so messy with the guitar in a good way. Yeah. Uh, John Entwistle, to me, is the best musician mm-hmm. in the band. I mean, he played horns and piano and all kinds yeah. of different shit mm-hmm. and, but he's an amazing bass player i mean i could just sit there and listen to his bass lines all day long i love yeah. them in fact a little insight the couple times i've been to the who concerts they stop for a minute and show john on the screen playing a bass solo and it's <laughs> absolutely mesmerizing i love it wow. i wish i could get that somewhere but let, let's get into it so yep. uh the album up, opens up on side one with what many call Teenage Wasteland. Right out of the gates yeah. with Teenage Wasteland. Yeah, Baba O'Reilly. That's the real name of it. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> and, you know, this was another one my dad yeah. forced me to listen to, and I wish he would have forced me more. Oh, for because, sure. But the, the you know, the intro to the synthesizer is amazing mm-hmm. on this. Yeah, I, and I that's love a it. long intro. Yeah, it is. It's it, at least a full minute. It, and it's a, it's a pretty heavy song, really. Yeah. You know, you've got Daltrey singing this. Obviously, mm-hmm. Townsend wrote it. In fact, just straight up yeah. front, we've got our notes on this. Towns, what songs Townsend wrote? But let's just be simple. He wrote all of them but one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but Daltrey sings this song with Townsend singing in the middle eight. You know, and it, it's an amazing song. This this is another perfect example of why I think Daltrey is the mm-hmm. best rock and roll singer of all time. And I'm sure people will challenge me on that, but he, in my opinion, he is. He's he's mm-hmm. this band's perfect for all yeah. four players, right? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, Townsend wrote this song, kind of referring to the Isle of Wight mm-hmm. and the kind of the desolation of the Isle of Wight and yeah. Woodstock. You know, a lot of people think he's on the teenager's side and things, but he was actually writing this song to say, you guys are a bunch of idiots, yeah. wasteful idiots that, you know, he's looking at all these people. At Would these... you clean up after yourselves, kids? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and seeing them all just, you know, stoned out of their minds. Yeah. It's one thing to have fun, but it's uh-huh. another thing to, to, to just, just be, constantly chasing that high. To be wasted. Yeah, to be right? wasted all the time. And, and you got to put into yeah. context... Pete had kind of gotten himself clean and started attending some spiritual classes from the Meher Baba during this time. And a lot of these songs take inspiration from that. That's something that I noticed throughout this whole album is that uh, Pete Townsend has a very strong religious slash spiritual side of him that's coming through very heavily he did it this time anyways i mean obviously get into heroin and different things later and go through his whiskey stage and all that but it is what it is you know so Mm -hmm. this song you know originally after doing research was 30 minute long jam i want to hear that i have when i saw that in the notes i thought damn that's this is what i want i want 30 minutes of this yeah and it was cut down to under five minutes (laughs) but i've actually got that bootleg 
Oh, really? So we'll have to listen to that one time, yeah. And, yeah. you know, funny enough is this song is one of the ones you hear on the radio still to this day, mm-hmm. right? It's all oh, yeah. over the place. Everybody but, knows this song. But it was never released as a single in the U.S. or the U.K. It was released worldwide, mm-hmm. just not in the U.S. or U.K. Yeah. So kind of interesting, but I think it would have done really well, to be honest with you. Oh, but. for sure it would have. Well, I... I, but then again, I'm looking backwards at this, because obviously it didn't do so well at the time. Well, they didn't yeah. release it as a single. Yeah, they didn't know. release it as a single. But like even the album itself, uh, you know, did pretty well. But yeah, uh, it just seems like this song specifically, um, uh, in the last ten to you know five to ten years. Uh, this song is on uh, like Stranger Things did it and used it as a, as a thing. Well, this when we were talking about theme songs of CSI, yeah. this was actually a theme song of CSI New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think was probably the shortest lived CSI, but all yeah. three CSIs had Who songs. Yeah. Um, Rolling Stone ranks it at 159 mm-hmm. of the top or the greatest 500 songs of all time, which is pretty strong. Which is pretty low, I think, considering it, what this song is. It, it is yeah. low. Um, and I, I don't know what, you know, like I was stating earlier, you know, Rolling Stone releases these lists every mm-hmm. year, right? Yeah. And so it changes, right? Yeah. So, but I think that's the highest they've ever ranked it. And mm-hmm. I, I would definitely rank it higher than that. Yeah. Now, I will say this is a song, you know, I've said this in our previous podcast that there's certain radio play songs I kind of shoot away from just because you hear them so mm-hmm. much. And this is kind of one of them for me. Yeah. As much as I love this song, I do hear it a lot. But yeah. listening to it on headphones... It could get overplayed, right? Yeah, it does. It does get yeah. overplayed for a for a fan that wants to hit, hear some more of the deeper cuts. But, yeah. but I do... Listening to it on the headphones again for the first time in a while was amazing to yeah, me. It, it, sure it Just so much stronger. So... I mean, this song is strong. It, it's holding the test of time. Yeah. It's it's. So why why is this song named Baba O'Reilly? That I don't know. I don't know if it's a throwaway title. Was it something to do with? I, I'm curious if it had something to do with a character in uh, Lifehouse, in the well, project. So all of these had something to do with Lifehouse. Yeah, and I don't know the exact way they're all put down and how they tell the story and that that's something we'll have to do a you know an episode on at one point is put the whole life house project together and and tell the story Mm -hmm. uh my guess would be mayher baba that pete was seeing it has to do with him somehow but yeah but then you have o'reilly which is an irish last name very irish last name. maybe it was an auto parts store probably yeah okay so we move on to the second song on this album, which for a long time was one of my favorite songs on this album, mm-hmm. uh, Bargain. Yeah. Uh, again, written by Pete Townsend, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sang by Daltrey. Yep, Daltrey. Uh, this song, um, I've heard this song before. I haven't like associated it with the title Bargain. I you more associate this one with The Best I Ever Had, because yeah. that's kind of the... What, the catchphrase well, it, yeah, of this song? It's, it's in yeah. the chorus, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love, absolutely love the guitar in, in yeah. this. I love the acoustic guitar switching over to the electric, so it goes from some really... Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a theme on this album. You have a lot of songs that start yeah. out kind of light and have mm-hmm. heavy choruses and heavy middle sections and things like that. Yeah. And again, Pete sings the middle eight on this song with Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... It's an amazing song. When you when you learn what it's about, it kind of seems like it's about a love of a woman or something. But famously, Pete has said it's, you know, about his love of God instead of a woman. And yeah. it, it really strong into his teachings of Baba and stuff mm-hmm. is where this is coming from, you yeah. know. Now, and Pete has famously said this is his favorite song on the album. Okay. And, and you know, I don't know if that's still true today, but he said it on a number of... A number of occasions. That sounds really personal. Yeah. It's this one's. Um, whereas Bob O'Reilly's, uh, like they just abuse the crap out of the power chords in that one, and it's a really inspiring tune. This one's just a fun song, just good rock and roll. 
Well, other than when Pete's singing the middle eight, he doesn't know his addition. Yeah. He says one and one don't make two. One and one makes one. Yeah. And so I, something to do with his God he's seeking or whatever. Yeah, but. that's some, that's the sort of thing that uh, religious fanatics say. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but you can, I mean, all joking aside, you, mm-hmm. can, you can put that into a love song too, right? Sure, yeah. Me and, and you one don't make, make two, one. one and one make one. I mean, exactly, they twain shall be one flesh. <laughs> well, yeah, you're thinking of it sexually. I'm thinking yeah. of it in a loving manner. Oh, you, yeah, that's more mature. Yeah, you really need to get your mind out I'm of it. I'm a 12-year-old boy. I, I think, you know, I love this song through and through. If I had one complaint about it, uh, the drums do get a little crazy on it. Mm-hmm. A little, and and I love Keith Moon's drumming. I really do, especially live. But he's there's just that. a couple sections where they're they're just a little crazier than they need to be. Yeah, he's got some uh, interesting golden retriever energy going on. But, yeah, yeah, he he only had one speed. There's, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, oh, for sure. But I I can see, you know, Pete, Pete's uh, saying that he was tough to play with because yeah. You know, you'd have to count on someone else keeping the rhythm and keeping track of the song. You know, yeah, because um, he's Keith Moon is not there to just tap out a beat. He's playing the drums. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so we move on to track three, which is "Love Ain't for Keeping." Yeah, uh, it's for giving away. It is, and uh, this one's got like a bluegrass kind of strings to it the guitars yeah yeah it is one of the lighter songs on the album Mm -hmm. um another one written by townsend sang by beltry um i love the acoustic guitar in this one i think it it fits it well Mm -hmm. um if any of you are interested there is a harder version of this song on the who album odds and sods um which I wouldn't say I like better. I like it as well. It's just a different version, and it'd be kind of neat if groups did that more often. You know, you see that with like the Beatles when they did Revolution on the White Album, but then the and it was pretty slow. But then the single they yeah. released was heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be kind of neat to see more bands play with songs that you know give us multiple versions. Yeah, let's hear them. You know, let's let's hear the difference. Yeah, we we see that from time to time with covers. But not so much with individual songs with the same band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this song was... A, this was the first one on the album that was new to me. And... Uh, what, did, what did you think of it? Because I think this song has an amazing acoustic guitar sound mm-hmm. to it. Uh, the drums are pretty straight in this one, funny yeah. enough. I, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't Keith Moon playing on this, if I didn't know it was. But yeah. it's, it, a, it's a very relaxing song. And, uh, yeah, it does not use the synthesizer. Yeah. So that was a little shocking. Yeah, because there's a lot of synthesizer on this. On but it, album, but it's yeah. not synthesizer like 80s synthesizer that you would... No, this is... Uh, it's different. It's almost eerie, creepy synthesizer yeah. in, in a good way. I, I don't know how to explain it's it. It's not but... an organ. It's not a harpsichord. But it's like... I don't know. There's just something old sounding about it. Yeah, I, and I don't know what kind. I know they use some ARP synthesizer for some of the mm. fuzzy sounds, like on a couple of these songs. But yeah, I really like the synthesizer on this album, but I generally don't like synthesizer, especially in rock music. Yeah. But for some reason, it just fits perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Love Ain't For Keeping, you know, an amazing song. Very relaxing song. I yeah. was very pleased with it. Very yeah. good song. Go check out the other, the heavier version on Odds and Sods because I, I need to do that now. Because like, seeing as this was a new song for me, mm-hmm. now I want to hear that uh, harder version. Yeah, and they're both equally as good. They're just different. Yeah. So, so now we move on to track four, which is the only song on the album not written by Pete Townsend. Uh, mm-hmm. And the only song on the album not sang by either Pete Townsend or Roger yeah. Daltrey, it's My Wife, written and sang by the bass player, John Entwistle. Yeah. Um, very competently done. Yes. This it, was a fun song. Uh, it was a new, another new one for me. I haven't heard this one before. It's kind of a funny song. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, the premise being that 
you know, he... He gets he, in trouble with his wife a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, but he ended up in the wrong precinct. You know, yeah. he got in trouble with the law. So, mm-hmm. you know, it starts out, my life's in jeopardy. Yeah. You know, murdered in cold blood is what I'm going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. he's a little afraid of his wife. Yeah, his wife, know? is. she does not... Um, she doesn't take it in stride, should we say. She's a little reactionary. Well, who knows? We don't get her side of the story in this. Well, I mean, when you we kind of do because when you hear about the stuff that he's pulling, well, yeah, I <laughs> it's mean, understandable he, that she would be wanting to kill him. All yeah, the he's going to buy a fast car, uh-huh. put on his lead boots. Yeah. He's getting the hell out of there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He buys a tank and all kinds of shit. He doesn't and, care how and much money. Airplane. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't care how much money he's got to spend because he's still going to be alive. Yeah, and she's going to (laughs) flip. She must be pissed. Yeah. You know, so this was the B-side of Mm -hmm. Baba O'Reilly. Now, remember, Baba O'Reilly wasn't released as a single. It was released worldwide, just not in the U.S. or U.K. Mm -hmm. So everywhere Baba O'Reilly was released as a single, this was the B-side of that. Okay. Uh, and this is the only song on the album that was not originally part of mm-hmm. Pete Townsend's Lifehouse Project. Oh. So I don't know how this one that, it, slid it, in. But. This is one that doesn't quite fit in, but I'll tell you, it, it still does fit in. And the, re- the reason it fits in is this album is excellent driving music, and this is a great driving song. Well, you know, and I can tell you this, it's kind of like Sgt. Pepper's, you know, for years yeah. and years people thought it was a concept album and all that, and there's mm-hmm. really only two songs that have anything to do with each other, and people yeah. didn't find that till later, so it's a perfect example of you can listen to an album, which mm-hmm. is what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, I love albums. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to get my kids into albums. My, my yeah. older one, he kind of got into albums a little more, instead of just playlists, right? Yeah. Listen to the whole album of how it was meant to be, and you mm-hmm. can put your own spin on what these are, yeah. what things mean to you, and you can make it fit if you want it to fit, right? It sure can. Um, you know, th- this is a good song because Ant Whistle, he does the singing, he plays the bass, he plays the piano, and he plays the horn section on this song. That's impressive. Yeah. I don't think all at the same time. I'm guessing they were overdubbed. Yeah. But I would think they'd have to be. But. It'd be really hard to play a piano, a yeah. horn, a bass, and sing at the same time. John Entwistle, this was his time to shine. Yes. And, and he shined. And even though they released it as a B-side on Bob mm-hmm. O'Reilly, they actually released it again six years later um, as a B-side to Long Live Rock, but it was the live version. Oh. And it did fairly well on that one. So mm-hmm. um, Rolling Stone actually ranks this Who song is number 21 of the top 50 Who songs of all time. Okay. I don't know if I would rank it that high. I, I kind of consider it more of a... just a fun song than... Yeah, it, it's it's not uh, so iconic. Not to me. And yeah. Whistle does a good job of singing, but his voice is a little thin. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's not a lead singer, right? Yeah, the thing that you'll notice about uh, Roger Daltrey is he's really... For as intense of a singer as he is, because all of these guys are really intense with their instruments, okay? And Daltrey is just as intense with his voice. But he doesn't... He's also very um, disciplined, very controlled, in that he he doesn't ever crack, doesn't ever lose it. He's well, always got a good sound. Back then, you mean? Yeah. I, yeah, he, he has... Even though he's amazing still... I mean, he's almost 80 years old, right? So Well, sure. He is what he is, but... I'm impressed that he is singing. I'm impressed and happy that they're still around, and I hope they tour again, because I'm going to them again if they come. Yes. So, yeah, My Wife, great song. You know, I would consider it probably one of the weaker songs on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not putting it down, because this is, a, to me, a 10 out of 10 album all the way through. It, mm-hmm. It's just... You know, Ant Whistle, even though it, it's a good song, he's just not the strongest singer, in my opinion. Yeah. So that brings us to track five to close out side one, which is The Song Is Over. Yeah, this one, um, this one I've heard before. It's a it's a breakup song, and I really like the, the symbolism of it. Yeah, I think this is an amazing song as far as a mix between really soft mm-hmm. and heavy yeah, because it picks up in the choruses and mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, another song 
written by Townsend, obviously. Yeah. Sang by Daltrey, uh, and Townsend sings in it as well in the middle yeah. sections. Mm-hmm. Um, funny little uh, thing here is Nicky Hopkins played the piano on this song, and he does an amazing job. If you really sit down and mm. listen to the piano on this song, it's amazing. And, yeah, it is. And he he famously played with the Kinks, the Rolling Stones, Jeff Beck Group, Steve Miller Band, and many many others. He's He's a great session piano player. Um, yeah. And I didn't even know for years that he played on that. Mm-hmm. You know, but he, he does an amazing job. So I'd suggest if you strap on your headphones and listen to this one, pay attention to the piano playing because it's... It's good piano it's, playing. It's good, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of people on a lot of the forums and Rolling Stone things and all the things I've read about this consider this one of the Who's Best songs yeah. in probably their top five. Mm-hmm. I, for me... It's not. Uh, it's a strong song. I love the mix of soft and heavy. Mm-hmm. but And I love the piano in this song. I really yeah. do. Because this is a very heavy song and a very soft song at the same time, which they do on yeah. this album. It's a, it's a theme throughout. It's a, the, the verses are very melancholy, but the chorus is real passionate. And that's, that's where it gets into the heaviness is... You know, this is uh, where it goes into take my song to sing my song in the wide open spaces, mm-hmm. and uh, it it's got this excellent symbolism of okay, you know, when you're not in love anymore, <laughs> and uh, you're not, it doesn't feel like a love song being together, then break up and then take your your song your love to the wide open spaces. Shout it to out the there, infinite from, sea. yeah, to the mountains, to the sea, everywhere, yeah. right? And find your biggest fan because sooner or later you'll find your biggest fan out there, and the, you know just let the music keep going, let the song keep growing. Well, that's what's special about this. I'm I don't I haven't done the research on this song to know what Townsend wrote it about. Again, this could be about his search for a god in his mm-hmm. life of some kind at the time. Pete went through these stages yeah. and you know, kind of crazy, kind of manic, depressed, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Went through his drinking and his drug periods and stuff. And yeah. and this album symbolizes, like we stated before, his search for his God, you know. Yeah. And it, kind of his, uh, the Beatles had their Maharishi period, you know. Mm-hmm. This is Pete's Maher Baba period, you yeah. know. But, but either way, it doesn't matter because you can take out of it what you will. And... It only means what it means to you, right? Exactly. But a good song, I I don't I wouldn't put it in my top twenty who songs, but it's a perfect fit for this album. Yeah, it you was uh, it was after listening to this song that I realized I really like the Who. The Who are an amazing band. Yeah, and um, uh, I I I like them so much I felt the need to underline it after I wrote it down. Well, then we're going to be doing some more Who reviews because you know yeah. what? Mm-hmm. That won't upset me. No, because I'm going to, this one's going on the fridge. So let me ask you, have you mm-hmm. ever listened to Tommy all the way through or Quadrophenia all the way through? Um, Tommy. It, I haven't listened to Quadrophenia. And all the Tommy's way amazing, like I said, live. I mean, the album's good, but it, it seems thin when you hear it live, right? Mm-hmm. It just seems thin. Yeah. Quadrophenia, I went to their Quadrophenia tour, which is one of the. You know, they played the whole Quadrophenia oh, album, wow. and then they played a few of their hits, and obviously the big ones, you know. Yeah. And Quadrophenia, to me, is their second best album after this. Okay. Without a doubt. So that that's in my opinion. Well, that's so. where I'm going next. So, but that'll be a two-episoder, because it's mm-hmm. a two-disker, so. Or yeah. a long episode, however we want to say. Yeah. So now we're going to flip over the old vinyl to side, side two. two and open it up with Getting In Tune. Mm-hmm. This was another new one for me. I hadn't heard this before. Yeah, so another song written by Townsend, sang by Daltrey. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that sticks out to me in this song is the bass line. If you really listen to the bass line, this is some of Ant Whistle's best work, in my opinion. Yeah, And it's another song following the same theme that has that starts soft and has heavy choruses mm-hmm. and yep. goes back and forth. Um, and Pete has stated that this song was written about his struggles mm-hmm. between his spiritual needs, 
you know, how he was going to compensate yeah. his spiritual needs compared to his rock star personality, right? Sure. And because he was going through all this. You know, if yeah. you were listening to it, it could seem like another love song almost, right? Yeah, it sure does. And and maybe it is. <laughs> Especially I don't know. since they say riding on you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a lust song. Oh. Yeah. But you know, when he's saying it's getting in tune to the straight mm-hmm. and narrow, this yeah. is Pete coming out of his drinking period and trying to get yeah. on the path to... A lot of uh, like uh, religious wording in there. Yeah, and when we say religious yeah. with Pete, I'm we're not talking Christianity or... No, but it, it's... What is it? It's kind of that uh, spiritualist... Yeah, you mentality. search for your inner God, your inner peace, yeah. those kind of things, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it means but, to you. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are atheists that yeah, still can search for an inner God. They're looking for like, a, they're on a spiritual journey. Correct. Yeah, and what, this is kind of the, his spiritual path. He's yes, yeah. and, you know, he did fall off the path, but... Sure, um, don't we all? Once again, Nicky Hopkins plays piano in this song, mm-hmm. and... I'm going to advise anyone to throw this song on with earphones again, a good set of earphones, yep. and pay really close attention to the piano and the bass line because it, this is another very, very, very strong bass line by John mm-hmm. Entwistle, and the piano playing is just amazing. He's a very talented pianist. Penist? Pianist. Yeah, I don't. That's a strange sound, you know. It's a strange word to say. That yes, way. it is. Why am I saying it like that? I don't know. Pianist. So Rolling Stone. St- Rolling Stone. You got you got me confused with there the pianist. I go. Yeah. <laughs> pianist. So, so Rolling Stone ranked this song as number eight on the greatest fifty Who songs of all time. I don't think I agree. Tie. With you. <laughs> I don't agree with Rolling Stone on uh-huh. most of them. In yeah. fact, when you take this album, besides a few songs, it's kind of funny. I don't know if I'd rank a lot of these songs my top ten Who songs of all time. A few of them. Sure. But not all of them, but t- together as a whole is what makes this mm-hmm. album so strong. Um, this song, if you've seen the famous movie with Tom Cruise, uh, Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. they use this song prominently in that movie. Yeah. This yeah. is a good dancing music song. Yeah? Yeah. With, it, it's hard to say because it goes from slow to fast, so you get a break, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, It's got a really good uh, rhythm to it. Yeah, I mean, I would rank... This is without a doubt ranked in the top 50 greatest Who songs, but mm-hmm. I don't think I would rank it at 8 myself. And I, after doing research of what Rolling Stone ranks things, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm even going to... Other than just... To disagree with them, mm-hmm. um, I can find ten Who songs I like better than this one. Yeah. But at the same time, I love this song. It it's mm-hmm. got a beautiful piano in it. It's got an amazing bass line. So as far as the mu- musical quality of the mm-hmm. song, sit down and listen to it on headphones because it's an amazing piece of work. I can see uh, Pete Townsend's frustration with Keith Moon's um, like inability to. Uh, keep rhythm or keep keep a steady beat because the tempo on the end of so many of these songs it picks up i mean it's kind of like uh what smacking a tether ball <laughs> as it goes around and around and around the pole and uh the shorter the line gets the faster it goes you know a yeah. lot of people consider keith moon one of the greatest if not the greatest drummer of all time sure um but a lot of musicians <laughs> would hate to play with do them. say <laughs> that he would be damn near impossible to play with because <laughs> that's how he played sober right yeah. i mean he was crazy but he was drunk and out of his mind many a time mm-hmm. and a tad bit crazy. Uh-huh. I mean, famously, there was a concert where he passed out the drum set, and they had to get a audience member to come up and play drums for him the rest of the show. Oh, no, that's a little funny. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he did a pretty decent job, too. But uh-huh. but when you hear him live, the drum fills any other drummer would fill, you know, I don't even know how to put it, but they'd fill yeah. it a tiny bit, let's put it. Keith fills it a lot, plus yeah. some, plus more, plus a little yeah. more on top of that. Uh-huh. And he's going crazy the yeah. whole time. He, he does not see the drums as being like um, the military way of keeping beat. <laughs> yeah. No. He no. sees it as a freaking instrument. <laughs> the, yeah, and there's... each symbol has a sound that he's going to 
bing out it whenever he needs it. There's no no <laughs> doubt about that. So yeah. moving on to uh, the second song, song seven on the mm-hmm. album, but the second song on uh, the second side, I should say. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite songs, Going Mobile. Yeah. And he says going mobile, or as we here in the US, U.S. would say, going mobile. Uh-huh. Um, but that just doesn't have the same ring, does it? No, mobile is... A mobile home. I'm going to tell you right off, though, the one thing I do not like about this song is the drumming. Mm-hmm. Um, the drums are way crazy, which is Keith. Yes, Moon, they are. <laughs> but the one thing I don't like is there's way too much cymbal used in this. If you really sit down mm-hmm. and listen to this song, the cymbal crashes. The, uh, it just keeps crashing, okay. keeps crashing. I yeah. have heard a version where that's not in there, mm-hmm. and it's a much better version. Okay. That being said, that, then. that being said, though I love this song. It's written by Pete Townsend again, and this one is sang by Pete Townsend. Yeah, this uh, this song is definitely your motor homer or your caravanners theme song. Well, at the time, Pete had bought himself a mobile home, and this fight fits into the lifehouse thing too. Is mm-hmm. he wanted to be free, right, okay. and avoid things and be able to travel and experience adventure and just yeah. always be somewhere else and not mm-hmm. have to worry about, you know, like he says, watch well, the policeman and the tax man miss me. I'm mobile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, the, I love this song. I'll accept the symbols. They, they use an ARP synthesizer in there, in this, that gives a mm-hmm. kind of a fuzzy sound. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's more prominent again, once listening on headphones or a really good system, um, really pay attention to that fuzz sound from the synthesizer mm-hmm. because it's amazing in this song. I love it. Um, this song has my favorite line in it. I don't care about pollution. I'm an air-conditioned gypsy. <laughs> and that's that's my solution. Watch uh-huh. the policeman and the taxman miss me. I'm mobile. Uh-huh. Um, one thing about this uh, this band, they're so intense with their instruments. I have a hard time uh, catching the lyrics. Yeah, I mean, it is it is tough, especially you know the one disadvantage to listening to this on headphones is the stereo in it. There uh-huh. is some uh, as amazing as it sounds. There is some annoying panning going on. Yeah. Um, which if you're listening on a good stereo system, you're not going to hear that panning quite as much, but. Mm-hmm. You don't want a good set of headphones like you yeah. and I both have. You know, sometimes you'll have the guitar on the one ear and the bass on the other, and it's good to hear them separated, but sometimes they'll pan over, and yeah. I wish it wasn't as messy. Yeah, because I can hear, you know, Roger Daltrey belting it out, but even so, I, I can't understand. I can't make out the words, you know? Yeah. I can hear him singing, but I can't enunciate it. Yeah. And that's that's tough. I think that comes with you know, like for me, where I've listened to them for years and mm-hmm. years and years, and followed liner notes and looked up the lyrics, and kind of wonder what he's saying there, you know. So yeah. I mean, even so, that's a song I'm gonna play for my wife the next time we're on a trip. <laughs> it's a good. It's it's an amazing song. Yeah. I I I love the song. One of the strongest on the albums. I just wish they would cut the symbols yeah, down. Yeah, cut a the symbols bit. down. So. Okay, so that brings us to Behind Blue Eyes, which is another song my dad uh, introduced me to multiple, multiple times. Um, Sleep deprivation is a very powerful form of mind control. I guess so. So another song written by Townsend, Mm -hmm. sang by Daltrey, right? Yep. Um, This was released as a single in the U.S., funny enough, but not in the U.K. Mm -hmm. Um, It only reached number 34 in the u.s which is very strange to me that's shocking because i would consider behind blue eyes and i don't give a shit what rolling stone says Mm -hmm. because i don't have any research on that but behind blue eyes has to be top five who songs yeah without a doubt absolutely um it's no one knows what it's like they don't no and i have blue eyes yeah so do i and we're both behind them uh huh. This is a lonely and angry song. Yeah, but it but it's pretty too. Yeah, and I, and I love how pretty it is, and then it gets angry. You know, mm-hmm. when you go into the section when my fist clenches. Yeah. You know, I I love, and that's, you know, 
if you listen to that part where he starts saying, when my fist clenches, crack it open, crack it open you'll hear Townsend singing mainly, but you can hear Daltrey in the background. And they have an amazing mm-hmm. way of... I, I just love how their voices bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And yeah. that's something I always forget. And another one of those things, until you put on the headphones and really hear it. Um, and this song sounds pretty good on the headphones. There's not really a lot does. of panning going on. It's just yeah. a, a very sweet, mm-hmm. soft, heavy... Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a beautiful song, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's got a great chorus. This uh, My dreams aren't as empty as my conscience seems to be. Mm-hmm. My love is vengeance that's never free. So, like, he's always controlled, always uh, on the leash, but or that it's going to cost him something every time he gets close to someone. Yeah, it makes you wonder, you know, is this a love song, or yeah. is Behind Blue Eyes about... About being someone who's reliable. Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, either way, yeah. you know... This has been covered by a number of artists. Uh, Limp Biscuit, funny enough, covered it, and yeah. I'm not a Limp Biscuit fan. No, but the way they covered it, I don't know if you've heard it. It's a pretty damn good song. Yeah, he reached back like a pimp and he slapped, slapped the hoe. <laughs> yeah. Well, my uh, my <laughs> wife listened to the Limp Biscuit uh, version oh, a few months ago. She heard it on the radio. Uh-huh. I about had to kick her out of the car. Yeah, because she said, "I think this version's better than the Who." I know. So so after I, I kicked I her out of the door, your wife, <laughs> and I can I can see why that went. I, I will yeah. say this much: they did pretty decent to it, and it's only Limp Biscuit song worth yeah. ever listening to. Yeah, it's not a bad version. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, it, because and I guess the biggest reason is because they actually sing it and play it, so it's not the Limp um, Biscuit he, bullshit. He did do it all for the nookie. He he did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but this. This, Behind Blue Eyes, I love playing it on guitar. It's my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. Sort of. <laughs> I'll bet this is a lot of fun to play on the guitar, this one. it It's one of the easier ones, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it I could see that. Cause depends it, on if you're finger picking or if you're just playing. The chords yeah. are really easy, and mm-hmm. you can finger pick it, and it's it's yeah. it's a good song. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the first two songs I learned how to play on guitar. Yeah. And I haven't played it in a while, so I don't know if I've learned it because I probably don't know how to play it anymore. Yeah. I'm going to have to try. Mm-hmm. Amazing song. Uh, top five, top three <laughs> Who songs of all time, Absolutely. in my opinion. Yeah, so, th- this one, I don't know if it's number one, but it's definitely in the top five. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. And going on to the album, or the song that caps off the album, is another mm-hmm. song that is in their top five. Yeah. In my opinion. Um the uh this would be the what the climax of the uh lifehouse movie that never got made yeah well not movie but or uh, rock al- opera yeah yeah album rock opera yeah. project whatever you want to call it sure. uh, again won't get fooled again mm-hmm. uh has an amazing synth intro yeah um <laughs> i mean it's everybody's heard it right mm-hmm. everybody knows that yeah. intro um, I get on my knees and pray we don't get fooled again. I hope we don't. Tip my hat to a new revolution. Once again, another song written by Townsend. Yeah. Sang by Daltrey was originally part of the Lifehouse Project. The one thing I get out of this song is this is another radio play song that mm-hmm. sometimes I hate to say this. I, I'm telling you, it it's in too my, much play, right? Yeah, it's in my top five yeah. Who songs without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably change it when it comes on, but listening to it on the headphones again and hearing it when you have a good system and you mm-hmm. really sit down and listen to it, it's one of their best songs ever. I certainly enjoyed listening to this song this time around more than I've ever enjoyed listening to it. Well, to me, if you listen to the drums and bass specifically in this, yeah. they're perfect in this yes, song. They are. This song, Won't Get Fooled Again, to me, is the quintessential rock song of all time okay i to me it it encapsulates everything right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and i'm talking more hard rock but 
it's this is a hard song it is a heavy yeah. song it's if you hear it live which mm-hmm. i've heard them play it live a couple times as they were older but i've heard it on some of their albums and things yeah. live albums it's an amazing song mm-hmm. um it funny enough it was released as a, as a single in june of 71 it reached number 10 in the uk and number 15 in the u.s which you know they cut the song down to under four minutes uh for the single like they did mm-hmm. as at those times, yeah. you know, you had to have a song under four minutes to reach a single. But the fact that it only reached number 10 and number 15 yeah, it's a little is really surprising. Um, because to me, if they re-release this as a single, it hit number one easily. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, and I'm not sure because I don't do all the stats, but I would think Won't Get Fooled Again and Baba O'Reilly are probably mm-hmm. the two songs that get the most radio play out of any Who song. For sure. And then uh, I would say Behind Blue Eyes, number three. Yeah, and maybe Who Are You yeah. gets quite mm-hmm. a bit of play. And, <clears throat> yeah. and there's a couple others, but those definitely get a lot of play. So when they released this as a single, I Don't Even Know Myself was the B-side. And that was another song that was part of the Lifehouse album, and but it didn't make oh. the album. But it did make the when they released the extended version and the deluxe version. And, you know, they've released this album in a number of... Mm-hmm different versions which i own all of yeah because i'm a sucker completist that way Completist. yep they know their audience yeah uh this famously was the theme song for csi miami yeah so it's what a lot of people would know this one from yeah and obviously the main csi the first one vegas i think the theme song was it who are you i think so yeah I, i didn't watch csi I only watched it a little bit, just the one, the original mm-hmm. one. So, yeah, um, they played this the song extensively live. And funny enough, fun little factoid is it was the very last song they ever played live with Keith Moon before he passed away. Oh, really? And he goes crazy on the drums in this, but it yes, fits it perfect. Yep. The bass fits it perfect. The guitar is heavy and fits it perfect. Roger Daltrey singing in this song is perfect. That uh, scream. Yeah, like we've always said, and yeah. I'll argue with anybody on this, but it's the greatest scream in rock and roll history. It's so iconic. It is. And it, this is a prime example of, of what I'm talking about with uh, with Daltrey, is he's he doesn't lose it. Like, that scream, he's in complete control during that scream. He's not cracking, he's not uh, losing it. But it's just full of emotion and feeling, and it, it's everything that you want in a singer. Yeah, Roger, and that's why I think he's the greatest rock and roll singer of all time. Sure. Is he just has this way to go from mellow to heavy, but you're right, he doesn't break, he doesn't crack, and he just has got enough grit to his voice mm-hmm. that it makes it perfect, right? Yeah. And I, you just couldn't have a better singer, in my opinion. For sure. Um, again, Dipshit's Rolling Stone ranked this as number 295 as their top 500 songs of all time. I would say they're probably about 290 off. Yeah. Um, I think this song, like I said, it's the quintessential rock song. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the, the message of it, that especially when it comes down to the end, uh, of it and you know the very last line in it meet the new boss same, same as, as the, the old boss, boss yeah that you know regimes come and go and you have so much hope that after the revolution you get a new regime in there that's finally going to treat you fair try finally going to be on your side and let's hope let's get on our knees and pray we don't get fooled again like we did last time <laughs> well and i know they've asked townsend a number of times what the song was about and you know he's he's been kind of wishy-washy on what it's about and and to be fair you know it was 50 years ago he probably doesn't necessarily remember what it's about there was a lot of heroin between here and there man (laughs) (laughs) a lot of something yeah Yeah. but you know this again might have a lot to do with his spiritual trying if you want to call it or Mm -hmm. his his frustration with being a rock star and trying to comprehend that into his own spiritual being of life you know but who knows it doesn't matter this song is the perfect rock song yes it is and it it it's heavy you know one of the heaviest songs the who did and this whole album is definitely the heaviest album the who 
the who have done and it, yeah. it's an amazing album um you know going into reviewing this i mean it's not like i have anything bad to say about this album you know because yeah. it's definitely in my top five albums of all time and it should be in everyone's well, i wish they would have brought brownies for me while i was listening to it but now why would you want brownies for a snack Oh, we've got some upstairs. I know you do. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) So that's that's that's... all I wanted from the Who. (laughs) Was more brownies. (laughs) So that's the Who album. Yeah, the Who's fifth studio album, their best Mm -hmm. album. Uh, Not their best selling album of all time, but their best. Yeah, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, we're definitely going to get into more Who albums. We're definitely getting into the Beatles, the Doors, Cream. Pink Floyd, Black Sabbath, we're going to go into all kinds of artists. But if you want to hear us review an album, send us an email at mm-hmm. classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. You know, check us out on Instagram at classicvinylpod. And, you know, you can listen to us on any of your podcasting platforms, you know, Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple. What other ones are there? Oh, let's see. They've got the Google Podcasts. There you uh, go. Let's see. We did Spotify, Stitcher. We're on the Podbean yeah, app, Podbean, so yep. reach out to us and give us a five-star review. Share us with your friends. Yeah, let us know what you want to hear us talk about, what what albums you want to re- us to review or listen to. And, uh, and I am going to be buying this album. I could record it for you. Well, I'm still going to buy it. Okay, you better yeah. buy it. Yeah. Okay, so until next time, thanks yeah. for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends. (laughs) 